Opening it round! Yay! <laughs> yeah, so this is actually like the original inspiration for Opening it round. Yeah. So last year we did a talk at the University of Leicester about Christmas in Victorian periodicals, and uh, it was after that that we had a conversation to say that was so much fun, like if only we could do this for other seasonal times. And that was the birth of all the year round. <laughs> and then we did! Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> so it's kind of come full circle now. It definitely Not for the first episode of All the Year Round. That will be coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, we've really like dangled Dickens. Dickens is like in our very little first introductory episode. Mm-hmm. We're like, this is the inspiration. So people have had to wait like a full nine, ten months? Eleven months? <laughs> eleven, <laughs> maybe eleven months you've been waiting for us to talk about Dickens. Yeah. But here we are, we've got We've got some potpourri, we've got our Christmas mugs, we have mince pies, we have, now apologies to any German speakers in our audience, I'm going to try really hard. Liebkuchen. It's these. They're little stars. They're little... They're delicious. Oh, you have one? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't paying attention, you must have really gone for that one. Yeah, they're they're little, it's strange, because like, it's difficult to find, they're little cakes. They're little, like, gingerbready cakes dipped in ice and sugar with, like, dark chocolate on the bottom. So, we're big fans. So, we're properly set up for a proper Christmas episode. We hope that you are too, nice and cosy, ideally with some kind of cup of tea, hot chocolate, that kind of situation. Yes. Yeah. Being festive, talk about Victorian Christmas, especially in Victorian periodicals. We are. So, going back to the origins of all year round. We kind of did that because it paralleled periodicals in the sense of, you know, they had they were weekly, they could be monthly, they could be quarterly, and through that you could kind of see like the changing of the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there were special Christmas numbers, um, really famously all the year round, but also with a number of other magazines. Um so other magazines sometimes focus, particularly women's magazines, on like fashion or like changes in nature, which we touched on a little bit with the summer episodes where you were talking about the beach, like yeah. fun activities you could do on the beach. Yeah, so because these were, as you just said, they're coming out every month, you could then change the content for that season. And some of them were literally a separate thing, mm-hmm. like a separate small magazine that was like in addition. If you imagine kind of, we still get them in. Those are like overleaf ones that like slip yeah. out when you open them. Oh, an extra magazine! like that. Um, in fact, we've, we've got one. Oh. Um, which we're going to be talking about more later. Oh, yes. But, yeah, this is the the extra Christmas number for all the year round. This is actually the last one. You can see how small it was. It wasn't like particularly huge. Oh, it is very slight. Yeah, so this one was just one story essentially in part, mm. but. Um, We'll, we'll be talking about that later. We're not going to spoil that yet. That can stay there. <laughs> so all the year round, our namesake, was even fancier than most. So whilst others have ten little overleafs, all the year round did a double issue at Christmas for double the price. <laughs> really yeah. packed it in. Yeah, which I feel is kind of fitting because even now I think when people think of Victorian Christmas, they do think of Dickens especially because of a Christmas carol, um, and it just, yeah, it does fit, so it feels appropriate. It does. The man loved a spooky <laughs> theme. He was so into it. Loved so a spooky Christmas. 
Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, we respect. Yeah. <laughs> like, it brings that Victover vibe right into Christmas. Absolutely. You can just extend it through spooky season right into festive season. Not that it was just Dickens, because ghost oh, stories were just a Victorian Christmas tradition. Yeah, so... The very first Christmas number of all the year round, not the very first Christmas number he ever did, but the first one of all the year round was The Haunted House. And the whole premise of that was that it was going to be a ghost story collection of a lot of intercepted ghost stories. So he got a lot of writers to get involved with that. Yeah, so yeah. lots of lots of ghost stories. Festive yes. ghost stories. Festive ghost not stories. Not just by Dickens. <laughs> yes, not just by Dickens. Yeah, so there's a lot of sort of speculation about how Victorians invented Christmas or Dickens invented Christmas and that kind of like hyperbolic statement um, which obviously we know isn't entirely true and the sort of ghost story telling these short ghost stories um, was a lot older there's um, a book by Dewey Evans where he talks about the fact that this was like way back into the the 15th century I think the tradition of telling short ghost short spooky stories around the the festive season which um yeah makes sense and you could definitely see that but it's sort of less obvious because they were mainly just like it's an oral tradition so there's less of a record of it which is why it feels a lot more sort of like this is a visible victorian tradition yeah yeah oral history is so difficult to track Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, there is something that is special about Dickens and the Victorian ghost story. And there's a, a brilliant article by Dr. Claire Wood, um, Charles Dickens and the Ghost Story, where she points out that um, Dickens, even though he he wasn't the kind of the original one that made the Christmas ghost story, um, he was kind of central to the development of that ghost story because of the way he helped to um, shape public taste in um in that way so yeah even though it wasn't like the invention of a thing because it existed before it's um kind of he was adding developing it. into yeah. something that we recognize more now as being like the victorian ghost christmas story yeah so he wasn't just on brand he was like creating the brand yes yeah yeah, redeveloping the brand. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we do. Like as we said at the beginning, we kind of associate like Victorian Christmas with Dickens and Christmas Carol and Christmas ghosts. Yeah, so very um very much a big big Christmas thing. Yeah, which I really like. Love Christmas Carol. <laughs> so obviously with that whole supernatural mm-hmm. element to the ghost stories as well, that's something that Dickens was. Um, was into in general <laughs> he was very into the supernatural I think we have mentioned this on previous episodes if, uh, <laughs> if listeners have seen our October Halloween episode mm. then they might remember us talking about how uh, science and the supernatural wasn't quite this clear cut as we think of it now in Victorian times and Dickens was interested in the research that was happening around the supernatural which um, was taken seriously and was sort of uh, sort of mixing the the scientific and supernatural. And dreams are really important in Dickens as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, d- uh, dreams in Dickens might be something that we come to at a later time because that's more complicated. <laughs> so complicated. <laughs> just supernatural science. Um, but yeah, so aside from A Christmas Carol, which is obviously just like the one that pops into everybody's heads, mm-hmm. um, 
Also, for those who are really into Dickens, you'll know that there are lots of other Christmas ghost stories as well that he did. Um, lots of references to the supernatural. So you mentioned that first um, Christmas number that came out with a collection of ghost stories. And the first ghost story in that was um, The Mortals in the House. And in The Mortals in the House, the narrator meets a rapper, as it puts it, in the... Um, <laughs> modern adaptation yeah. ideas are coming to mind <laughs> they're flowing people yeah as a modern audience might look a bit weird but actually if you were uh, a contemporary reader you would have recognized that as being a spirit rapper so i don't know if you know what spirit rapping was no, so, so this was kind of the uh the seance idea if anybody's ever seen a seance where you would go to um you go to this like it was an event, mm -hmm. and the person controlling the seance would get the spirits to do things like rap on the table, which is why it's called spirit rapping. Um, you might also do things like something like float, or maybe like you get a ghostly hand touch you on the shoulder and things like that. Um, <laughs> obviously, there was a lot. whole session about ectoplasm and slime, and I was yeah. like, no, oh, no. I think I went to that. <laughs> things we ever did together and I was just sat there like this is so gross. <laughs> I was like I hate this. Yeah I kind of love it to be honest. <laughs> it was one of those emotions where I was like I'm enjoying this. This is so, so upsetting. Yeah yeah it is. But um but brilliant. So yeah you've got uh spirit rappers and like we said there were people who are really into this who believed it. There are people who are researching this and kind of um interested in what sort of forces might actually be at play to make mm -hmm. this happen and then of course you did also have skeptical people who mm -hmm. would make fun of the seances and the spirit rappers and thought that it was all nonsense and it was all just strings and um strings and silliness and yeah uh, but uh, dickens was interested in it so in the, <laughs> the first um story of of the christmas number of all the around we do see a, a spirit rapper and all of this kind of debate about um, seances and uh, spirit rapping and things like that, they were all happening in periodicals as well. So um, there was stuff about it in, in all the year round, uh, in what Dickens was editing. There was stuff about it in the Cornhill magazine. Quite famously, there was a, um, a really good article about that um, and, and spiritualism, which was connected to it. But again, maybe we'll get to that a different time in the Cornhill magazine. But... All of that stuff wasn't seasonal. It was just this like big, long-standing debate mm -hmm. that was happening. It yeah. wasn't necessarily festive, but it is in this case. It becomes yeah. Christmas. Yeah, Dickens made it seasonal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he essentially the, the entire premise is based around Christmas. Everybody's going to stay there over the Christmas period, and then they're basically discuss the ghost stories amongst themselves mm. um, on the sixth of January, twelfth night. So the reason why this is so Christmassy and such a prolonged and terrifying ghost situation, if you think about it, is because Christmas traditionally goes on for a month. It's like 6th of December to 6th of January. Yeah. So that's a lot of time that you're opening yourself up to like ghost interactions. <laughs> You'd have to have a ghost journal, I think, in this yeah. situation. And it's kind of what happens, isn't it, in the story um, with everybody's various stories of the supernatural within the house. Yeah, it's very like almost like Mary Shelley of just being like, 
none of us can go outside, so let's all just sit around yeah. and write ghost stories. Yeah. Like, it would, like, open myself up to that. But, yeah, so the first one, very, very Christmassy, but I think as we go through, things get less Christmassy with the Christmas number. So, like, in No Thoroughfare, which you have a copy of, which is incredible. Yeah, that's what we were talking about here at the beginning, yes. if you're watching on the video um, version. If not, then you can see this on our social media. Hayley has a very delicate copy of it. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's so blue. Why is it still so blue? It is so blue. I mean, one of the reasons that um, I particularly love this is when you, a lot of the time when you see these, it doesn't have the blue bit. It's just the yes. side. So if, um, again, if you're watching this, if you open up the front page, there's sort of another front page inside that also has no thoroughfare or the around Christmas number on it. Um, but the blue wrapper part has advertisement yes which printed on the inside so which we'll also come back to <laughs> come back to later but the very plot of no thoroughfare so dickens and wolfie collins wrote it together as i understand it yeah yeah so as you were saying before it's a really short story it's not that christmasy there's sort of like betrayal and like forbidden love amongst class different classes yeah. um so it's not like explicitly Christmassy, but it's Christmassy in the sense of everything's sort of about like good overcoming evil. Yeah. And that's kind of like a common theme that we see in like Christmas pantos and things like that. Yeah. So you kind of got like all the, the social drama of Dickens and Wilkie Collins, uh, both pretend love, <laughs> but then with a bit of like extra Christmas joy interjected into that. And yeah, as, exactly as you said, good over evil. Yeah. Uh, which you see in all of the supernatural. Christmas stories as well. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it became so immensely popular that I believe it was. Yes, in January of 1864, he actually wrote to Wolfie Collins saying that the last Christmas number that um, he published in 1863 had done so immensely well that it had sold 220,000 copies. That's so many copies. Yeah. It, it, it gives you hope that you'll be able to dig one out. Yeah. There's that many of them, technically, that were like printed in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Making care of, I guess, is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Because they are like again, if you're looking at this on the um, on the video, or if you can see the picture on social media, they would have been easy to damage or or these because. Slap a couple of tea over it, accidentally shove it in the fire. There's so many things that can happen to a periodical over that entire time yeah. period. But um, so that's sort of like your realm. But what I originally researched was basically women-oriented magazines, and many of them did have literary endeavours. But what I found interesting was the fact that it was not as explicitly Christmassy as Dickens. <laughs> Ironically, one of the key themes was death. So much death, so much Christmas death. Um, you know, as we were talking about earlier with like the nature aspect, so many things have like nature coming to an end, but some of them are just like, here's a story about children dying in winter, but actually it's fine because they're angels and like snow is so pure and angelic souls. I'm like, that is a very nice way to live at a very grim time yeah. of year. Yeah, and you know, I think it, it does feel particularly sort of fitting because, again, if you've watched um, or listened to some of our earlier episodes when we've talked about the women's periodical, um, especially the ladies' treasury, mm-hmm. you do get quite a lot of seasonal stuff in there. So there's kind of like, you know, we're now moving into the spring, and so this is what to expect. And 
um, and a lot more sort of like nature-based things. So, of course, with winter being traditionally in the circle of the year, the time of death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose... I never really thought about this before, but in a more practical way, there probably was an increase in death yeah. during the winter with various like illnesses and Yeah, the Ladies' Treasury continues with its conservative sort of run. Because yeah. even if, even <laughs> if it's fashion plates, it's like you might want to go to a Christmas party or a New Year's Eve party and have a lovely time, but you shouldn't wear anything light and pretty. You should wear something knitted and something up to your neck. Yeah. No decolletage for you. <laughs> yeah, so we did. We had a very um, much more kind of like practicality in the, mm. the ladies' treasury in comparison yeah. to some of the other women's periodicals. Even our adverts were boring. <laughs> <laughs> or their original adverts were a bit boring. Yeah. They were mostly just like, buy bound copies of everything we said to you this year. Yeah. Or like, basically, they pretty much for a number of years and friends I I did this was a big research project that we did so I looked through like decades of this the only other thing they advertised in that time was basically other books on household management they were already serialising in their own yeah. serial I was like that interesting choices were made. yeah this is very kind of like um, minimised frivolity isn't it like yes. you might have to go to some social occasions that are technically parties but even then you should be very practical it's very practical, yeah. very practical. Maybe give the hostess a bound copy of all of yeah. our <laughs> thoughts on how to be a better host. Yeah, um, the perfect gift. Oh my god, can you imagine? Speaking of the perfect gift, in the latter half of the century, then the luxury. The luxury the was gifting. hitting. Oh, yeah. the gifting, the commercialisation <laughs> of Christmas, as we always refer to it. Oh, it, it was in full force. So there are a few adverts that I, I loved and that we're going to include in the video. We're going to put some of them up on um, the social media as well, because they are all out of copyright, which is also exciting. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost was a photographic album, which was not just, as you might imagine, like a nice little album where you put all your pictures. It was... Um, has a beautiful cover on it with a lovely little painted image but in the bottom of it it also had a stored music box so when you opened it and you were able to flick through all your pictures you'd also be able to have like this this music playing in the background it's yeah. very multimedia it is I love that when when you first told me about that last year I think the um the sort of example that came to mind for us was it's a bit like when your phone gives you like memories now, yeah. like if you've got a smartphone and it plays music in the background as you're looking through the pictures. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would have been a really impressive Christmas gift. Thing. Sorry, my brain went to what would a Victorian Spotify rap look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the audiobooks. Audiobooks are like the oral tradition of people like taking stories of like. That'd be serious. Yeah, love that for them. Love that for them. Um, so beyond that, we also had um, perfume lamps, which are basically just modern-day diffusers to scent rooms. Yeah. Beautiful, lovely. Okay, brace yourself. The third one that I saw that I found most interesting um, were dinner table fountains. So the tiny little fountains of water that you use to replace little bowls. 
So you're reaching have little yeah, yeah, like so particularly if you're like eating with your hands. Oh, you have little okay. bowls to sort of like dip your fingers in and clean them before you eat other things with your hands. Now, the wholesome part of my brain thinks of I don't know if you remember this, because we're going back, unfortunately, two decades ago I looked up the date to Shrek 2. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. That's it. scary. I don't. I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever watched it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when Shrek goes to um, the castle and they're all sitting around for dinner and at one point um, they're having meals. They have this like I think that they have um, escargot and Shrek eats it wrong and it's but anyway they're sat there and so. Shrek begins to like slurp this and he yes. goes, Oh, this is really good soup. And Fiona's like, No, and then you turn around it's and everything's like, like yeah, washing their fingers. <laughs> now, I try to think of that. I try very hard to think of that because the only alternative is to remember an article that I read during my PhD. It's very upsetting, so again, brace yourself. <laughs> because they did not change the water, so they just became little petri dishes of bacteria because oh, you're no. washing your fingers in the same thing between courses without ever changing oh, no. the water idea disgusting so maybe the but table fountain well, i was going to say <laughs> this is the thing is that what i would really like is to actually see one because is it recycling the same water i would imagine probably yeah i mean because that that's potentially even worse of bacteria because then we're getting to all the little parts that like spouted out the water mm. So maybe, maybe not the best Christmas gift. But I think one of the things that I um, I liked about all of these as well is you you can really tell that sort of like mechanical industrial element yes. coming into it, which of course is really what changed because earlier in the um, in the century you did you still had Christmas gifts, but they were like maybe some fruit, some nuts, that kind of thing. If you did have gifts for children, they had to be handmade, so they're obviously time-intensive and therefore really expensive as well. Um, but, yeah, as you get later in, you've got more cool stuff, more gadgets almost. Gadgets, yeah, gadgets. Yeah. Top-ten Victorian gadgets. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's something we should think about in the future. Yes. Uh, but moving on to... <laughs> yes. But moving on to party games, just for the time being... Hmm. Let me tell you, friends, there were a number of them. Some of them so tedious, I thought I would rather stare into a fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would also have been a Victorian option. <laughs> I know. I was being very on brand. Yeah. Um, so I decided to go for some specific ones. There was one that was designed um, for a party of over 40 people. I don't know who's hosting this party. That's a lot of food. Yeah. That's a lot of activity. <laughs> That's too a much. Lot of friends. <laughs> That's too tiring. I'd be so tired. <laughs> anyway, the idea was that you have these bank cards, and basically everyone would write a name on them and place them on the way out of the room. When everybody was out of the room, the hostess would reshuffle them, put them back down, and then when you file back in the room, you pick up a card, and whatever's on the card is your new name. And the idea was that you would write down silly names. But What's really odd is the thing that seems to have caused the most amount of amusement to Victorians was the gender-bending element. So you had, like, women who had men's names and men who had women's names. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had, like, reintroduce yourself to people with your fun name or ask people to dance with your fun name. Um, and if you failed to, like, react or reply to somebody, you called your fun name and not your actual name. Like, you'd have to perform forfeits. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a bit confusing. So... 
the ladies treasury was very specific here and they said that you should actually take very great care of this game so that the execution does not lead to a romp wouldn't want a romp. No <laughs> romping at Christmas. No, you can't be doing with all of that. Oh god, <laughs> this is one of the boring. I mean, it's again, no, no offense, but um, this is what I I titled Victorian Countdown. <laughs> okay, so this was you have a word in a group of you, and then you sit in silence for ten minutes while you try to rearrange the word into as many different words as possible. But, and here's the other like added element that makes it slightly different, is even if the original word has a duplicate of letters, you can only use one. Huh. I don't know why. Take 10 minutes to be honest. I don't think it would take <laughs> 10 minutes. This, this is why countdown is like a minute, 30 seconds, like, that's why. Yeah. Ten maybe, minutes. Oh. Maybe we're expecting some punch that's being drunk at this point. God, I hope so. <laughs> I want the punch. I want the wassail. Maybe have a couple of gin. So I need it all if we're going to do this. Speaking of alcohol involved with games, you may have heard of Snapdragon. Oh, yes. This is my favourite one. <laughs> this is my favourite one. This is my favourite one when um, I did that section for BBC Leicester. Yeah, and I was like, "There's this ridiculous game that you need to know." When I did the Christmas section um, last year, so Snapdragon, um, we think that it originates around the 16th century. It's actually quoted in Shakespeare at one point, um, but it was really popular throughout the 18th century and into the Victorian era. And what you essentially did was you got a lot of brandy and you put all your raisins in the brandy, so it soaked it all up, and then you set it alight. <laughs> and the game, the game was essentially just shove as many as you could in your mouth and whoever ate the most won. And I assume whoever ate the most but also didn't sustain lifelong burns yeah. won. Yeah. I think when I say this is my favourite, it's my favourite because it just seems like such a strange and unlikely thing to present to somebody as game. Please stick your hands into this fire and then put it in your mouth. Particularly like that aspect of like when you see some of the images, particularly around the eighteenth century, there's like children playing it. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, go and sit and do Victorian countdown. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Victorian countdown is very um, the ladies' treasury, yes. whereas Snapdragon would be more like um, the English Women's Domestic Magazine, a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more risky. A little bit more risky. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah I guess. So the the fire should go out um, because it's just theoretically <laughs> it's still real hot though. I was thinking about that because I was like, even if this technically not on fire, things can still be hot yeah. after it's been on fire. It'd be interesting to know how many injuries were sustained as a result. I know, dragon. I know. It's actually ironic. You'd think that there'd maybe be something for like minor burns in some yeah. of those magazines, just being like, hey, if you're being naughty <laughs> and playing Snapdragon this Christmas, here are things that you can yeah. do. So. Speaking of throats on fire, I did not find as many medical adverts as I thought that I would. It's not like today where, you know, when you open like a magazine around this time of year and it's like, have you tried Nurofen? Do you know about Lemsip? It's like, I know about all these things. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so I found a recipe written in by some a woman called Constance and she was writing in to give you a recipe for what she titled Unbroken Chillblains. 
I've just realised, which you'll probably describe what that means, but I don't really know what I know what they are, like in a visceral sense, but I don't know how to describe it. It's just yeah, like I don't really know how to describe it either. It just is the when your feet get really cold and then warm up too quickly and the yeah. tips of your toes feel like bruised. Yeah. Oh, it's very uncomfortable and there's like dry skin involved yeah. and it's just really sore and it can crack open. Again, sorry for the description, but I'm sure, <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure listeners uh, have it as well because it's very, very common. Yeah, very common. I'm lucky enough to live in a warm country. <laughs> yes, in which case I'm sure you have different issues. Um, but yes, so Constance said that she had got some advice from Dr. H. H. Pardon, who was supposedly a physician to Hospital for Diseases of Skin in Belfast. Um, interesting that we're putting this in Ireland because it's just like, don't check, don't check, you don't need yeah. to check, that's very far away, there's yeah. no reason to check. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm telling is the truth. So her recipe called for balsam, which we have in tissues now, fine, fine, that sounds fine. So far so good. So far so good. The next was rectified spirits okay some disinfection properties that it's okay it's just fine hydrochloric acid okay maybe no maybe no maybe <laughs> let's not do that um and then she suggested that there was some gum to bind it right um, so we're going for soothing properties, but also acid. Yeah, that was her four-step process to getting rid of chalkies by burning your feet off. Yeah, okay. I mean, technically you might get rid of them. And of yeah. course, this is definitely a very real doctor. Oh, very real doctor. <laughs> very real doctor. No need to check. Yeah. No need to check. I just realised this. this leads us on to our very last point. Mm-hmm. It's product placement time. Oh, okay, yeah, but that is an interesting one. So I did say earlier that we would come back to the wrapper of um, yes. of all year round, the yes. the blue cover that's on there. Um, so yeah, this uh, because it was the Christmas episode, essentially, it was a Christmas installment yeah. <laughs> all year round. Um, the it always had advertisements in it. That's not specifically for Christmas, but they do have slightly more specific. Yes. Christmas advertisements. So, or they at least seem like seasonally pertinent. Yeah. So this one has just one, I think, that specifically refers to Christmas, which is uh, some books. So um, this is, if I read it out, five. No, it's not five thousand. Sorry, fifty thousand <laughs> juvenile gift books, Bibles, prayer books, and standard illustrated works for Christmas presents at Fields Great Book and Bible Warehouse which was on 65 and 67 Regent Street, next to St. James's Hall. And you get some examples underneath of the kind of things you can buy from I took this a slight step further because I was like, no, no, we can, we can, we can dig in. <laughs> so there's also Keating's cough lozenges. Try saying that ten times fast. <laughs> um, there's also... Powell's Balsam of Aniseed, which is also for coughs, colds, and asthma. Which I think is actually very, at least seasonally related. I'm sure it's sold all year round because, you know, everyone gets coughs, colds, and asthma. Yeah, um, but as you said, even now, like, we definitely have a lot more advertisements for kind of cough sweets, cough medicine. Yeah. Um, things like that. You, you do expect your chest to be more affected by the, yeah. by the weather. And if we're back in Victorian times, of course, you're... 
especially in London, churches might also be affected by Didn't have to put yeah, what they yeah. have to add, and yeah, it wasn't until yeah. they got like a few sentences that they were like, 
Like, oh, this is you're trying to sell me something. Yeah, this is Victorian product placement. This is Victorian product placement. The most brazen one, which I love, and you loved last year yes. as well, was the doll. Yeah. The doll. So, in the 1865 version of the Englishman's Domestic Magazine, they have this article, but they also have on the front page a picture of this little doll. Yeah, that you could purchase um, and they described it in rich detail about how the eyes had been brought in from like a, you know, a specialist who had created them and it had you know the finest hair that could be brought and it was made yeah. beautifully of wax there was a terrifying section there that was like please don't leave it too close to the fire it will melt yeah. and I had images of an absolutely terrifying Victorian doll that would be given to a child to <laughs> be Oh my god, well, this was so expensive and you ruined it, but you have to love it because it was so expensive. But we digress. So the writer of this little article said, obviously, because this was incredibly expensive, it was so expensive, it didn't even tell us how much it was yeah. in the article. So I cannot speak to how expensive it was, but I feel like it's in the arena of if you have to ask, it's too expensive yeah, for you. It did give that impression. That's yeah. the vibe. Um, so the writer says, the picture itself makes a very pretty present and if cut out and pasted on cardboard, makes a very pretty toy for itself. So, my friends, we can't do it in person, obviously, because we are just voices in your ear or images <laughs> in your eyes. But what we have done is we've taken that little periodical image and we've popped it down in the description. So if you want to follow that link, have a little look at the doll. If the doll pleases you, that's a key component. And you're like, I would like to have a Victorian toy this Christmas. You can print it off, cut it out, slap it on some cardboard and have your own little Victorian toy this Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, that's our Christmas present to you. Now, we did actually have some of a debate when we originally... Um, presented the doll <laughs> some people thought that it was really cute and brilliant some yeah. people thought it was terrifying yeah so depending on which category you fall into you may not want the victorian doll in your house honestly we had you know our friend jackie who was on the podcast like in april who talked about charlotte bronte and fairies and a lovely time with her like she loved it so much she wanted to make a garland of them but somebody else who i gave it to was like Oh, and then I was like, do you not like it? I can take it back. And they're like, no, no, I'll, I'll keep it. And I was like, okay, all right, yeah. But maybe turn it to face the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> but it kind of brings us back in the, a nicely um, cyclical way to spooky Christmas. Spooky Christmas. <laughs> so, you know, if you do find the doll particularly spooky, then that doesn't necessarily mean you can't use it as a Christmas decoration. Because you are still being very Victorian yeah. with your combination of terrifying, supernatural Christmas things. It's the most sustainable gift of the find because it also means that next year you can start whacking it out about Halloween. I mean, yeah. that, that gift lasts you like three months out of the year. <laughs> yeah. So we hope you will have a very lovely Christmas with maybe some Victorian traditions in it. Yeah, yeah. And only like little light bits that are... Uh, enjoyably spooky for you. Nothing bad spooky, only good spooky. Yes. yes. Just like the, the ghostly stories. Always ends up <laughs> in a cheerful and, and good place. Aside from if it's usually Gaskell, in which case no. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Not for everyone. <laughs> 
But we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. We hope that you enjoyed our Christmas episode as we delved into Christmas periodicals. Yeah. We will see you in the new year. We will see you in January. Let's do another Emma episode. Yes. Yeah. And when we will nearly have gone entirely all the year round with this series. <laughs> Can you believe it? Doesn't it feel like we did this just yesterday? Yeah, it really does. It really does. <laughs> <It's fun. laughs>